And so we've been looking at different things and what God says our responsibility is, what our mission is, uh, our appeal, what we should be saying to the world, how we're supposed to respond to the world, how we're supposed to behave, how we're supposed to talk, how we're supposed to deal with different things. We've been looking at this uh, since January. Uh, and last week we started looking, I say last week, the week before last, we started looking at the suffering. Because one major part, unfortunately and fortunately, in this Christian walk that we live in is suffering. There are going to be things that we go through and it's not going to be fun. There are going to be hard times that we encounter and that we embrace and that, that, that are put upon us. And our response to those hard times need to be biblical. And so we looked at, if you have your Bibles or your phones or your iPads or your whatever you may have, uh, in the book of 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1, uh, uh, we looked at what was going on. Now, 1 Peter was written, of course, by uh, the Apostle Peter, and it was written around 62 to 64 A.D. Uh, that's what uh, uh, most scholars think. I bring that up for two reasons. Two significant reasons knowing the time that this book was actually written. Um, the first thing is that it was written, in, if, if, if 62, 64 AD, that means that it was written about 30 years after Jesus's ministry here on the earth, Jesus's death, his burial, and his resurrection. So 30 years after Christ's ministry, Peter sat down and wrote this. So what does that mean? Well, that means that there were eyewitnesses still around. So the things that Peter wrote, there were people around who could be like, oh, what did I do lying for? <laughs> that didn't happen. No, there, there were people around who knew what he was saying. Think about 30 years ago. I did a little research. 30 years ago, Michael Jordan, goat maybe, who knows. Michael Jordan won his first chip 30 years ago. All right? I remember it. I'm a little bit over 30. But I remember when that happened. Uh, 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 in 30 years ago, I looked to see what music was popular 30 years ago. Motown Philly back again. -da 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 -da. Doing a little East Coast swing. That was just 30 years ago. Okay. <laughs> it was 30 years ago. Uh, 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 and I'm, I'm going to be fair. Rush, rush, hurry, hurry, love, come to me. Nobody? Rush, rush? Paula Dool? Come on. What is wrong with you? <laughs> And Keanu Reeves, wait a minute. <laughs> was the... Oh, is that what it is? <laughs> One of the worst actors of all time. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, 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 Everybody dance now. That's 30 years ago. That was like yesterday. I, I remember vividly those songs. When Peter wrote this, it was 30 years after Jesus happened. So there were people around like, yeah, we saw Jesus. Oh, I knew his mama. Oh, I knew his brother. You remember when they put that dude on that cross? That was crazy. There were people around who still remember, who still uh, 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 remember those things that happened, those specific things that happened. And so when Peter penned this, there had to be some validity to what he was saying. Because somebody could just be like, oh, man, that's not true. That didn't happen. So when we look at that, and that's actually one of the ways how we validate the scriptures. You know, people say, well, don't believe the Bible. The Bible's old. One of the ways that scholars, secular Christian scholars and non-Christian scholars, one of the ways that they validate old documents is if they contained eyewitness information. 
Also, how far away from the events that happened did they write it? That's how they look. And so if something happened uh, today and I wrote about it tomorrow, the scholars would look at that and say, okay, we're going to give that some worth because that was written like one day after it happened. Ten days, years, hundred years. Actually, some of the most uh, 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 prominent historical books that are out there, for instance, Homer's Iliad, uh, for instance, uh, this guy wrote about the Greek wars that was going on. Those things were written over 500 years after it happened. Over 500 years after it happened. And we hold those things like, yeah, that's exactly what happened. That's the truth. We have in our hands the word of God. And portion of these scriptures were written 30 years after it happened. The other thing that's significant about it is Peter's mentioning of the resurrection. As you looked at it, and we saw it last week, as we looked through the scriptures of 1 Peter, Peter kept tying everything back to the resurrection. We have this because of the resurrection. We have this because Jesus was raised from the dead. We have this because Jesus didn't stay dead. He got up in that tomb. What was important about that is people could be there like, yeah, he did die. And the grave was empty. And you remember, what's the name? Said they saw him at the, uh, on that mountain and he went up to heaven. The people were still around. And so what Peter is saying, I say all that to say this, Peter was written, we talked about a week ago, Peter was written in the midst of suffering. People in the body of Christ were going through suffering, and you know the the crazy suffering, the Romans, they they didn't play. They were throwing Christians to lions, they were straight up stabbing them, they were taking their family away, all these things were going on. And so the suffering and the pain and uh, all the anguish was happening Peter took time, he picked up the pen, and he said, Holy Spirit told him, Peter, write this to those people that are going through hard times. Write this to those people who are suffering. Write this to those people who don't feel like they can make it another day. Write this to those people who feel like I'm going to give up. Write this to these people who are in so much pain they can't even get out of bed. Write this to them. And so Peter picked up the pen and then Holy Spirit, he began to write. And we saw what did God want them to know? The first thing he wanted them to know was you have been chosen. We saw that in verse one. First Peter 1, 1 to those chosen. Holy Spirit said, as you go through sufferings and hard time and pain and confusion and don't know what to do and don't know how you're going to get by. Remember those who are followers of Christ. You have been chosen. Two things he said, chosen for their salvation and then chosen to be obedient. It's interesting. In the midst of suffering, God brings us up, brings up us being obedient in the midst of suffering. And that's throughout the entire scripture. As suffering hits, my responsibility is to be obedient. He then says also that you have been placed in the family of God. Verse three. So not only have you been chosen. Remember that. Also, remember, you have been placed in God's family. And with that comes two things. I don't know if you remember. A living, awaiting expectation, knowing that God is going to bring us out of this. And secondly, Peter said there's an inheritance, verse 4, that God has promised us. An inheritance that he's going to keep safe for us, that nobody can touch it. In the midst of suffering. This is what God wants us to remember. Then lastly, he said, remember, verse five, you are protected. Verse five, you are being guarded by God's power through faith for salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. So as we go through suffering and hard time, God says, remember 
that you have been chosen. You've been specially selected. That word chosen, that means selected with a purpose in mind. Not only that, as you go through hard times and suffering and you're in the valley and in the darkness, remember that God has invited you and accepted you into his family. So that same Lord of armies that Hannah called out to, that's your daddy. And so I can call, oh, daddy, Lord of armies, I need you right now. And then Paul calls him the comforter, the ministry of comfort. Isaiah said, wonderful counselor. And so in the midst of suffering, we can go to our daddy in the midst of that because I'm part of the family. Also, I've been protected. Though it may not seem like it. And that was crazy. Peter was talking to people who were getting killed. He's talking about suffering. Wife snatched up. Kids killed before your eyes. This is what was going on. And Peter said, remember, as you're dying, you are protected. I'd be like, Peter, what are you talking about, man? They just killed my mama. But Peter was saying, listen, we are protected by God's power for the salvation that will be revealed. Peter wanted to remind us that this stuff right here is not who we are. This stuff that we go through in this earth is not our end. But God has promised us victory. God has promised us salvation. And he attached it to the resurrection. That was so, was so crazy about it. Peter says that my salvation my waiting hope, my expectation, my inheritance, my protection is all tied to and wrapped up to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That same power that rose Jesus from the dead is the same power that's going to protect me, that's going to guard me, that's going to promise me my inheritance. And so Peter goes on and he talks about the suffering. The trial is going to be for a little while. But during that, the reason we are in the trial, it says, um, let me find it. Verse four. You rejoice in this, even though for a short time, if necessary, you suffer grief in various trials. Verse seven. So that the proven character of your faith. More valuable than gold, though perishable uh, 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 is refined by fire, may result in praise, glory and honor in the revelation of Jesus Christ. Peter says the reason you're going through these trials and sufferings and punishment and, and, and persecution and going through all this is because what this does, it allows you to closely and thoroughly examine, inspection your obedience to God. Or we can say we're obedient. Remember, God ties obedience to love. God said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, you will obey me. And we can say we love God, but the question comes, do you love God? Are you obedient? And then the question becomes, are you obedient at all times, good times and bad times and suffering? And unfortunately, it's only in the suffering does the true you actually show. It's only in the suffering does your normal reaction come out. And so God said these trials and these sufferings that you go through, remember, they're temporary that's, that's what Peter was saying. They're temporary. God know it. I chose you for this. I prepared you for this. I put you in my family for this, and I'm guarding you. So though this thing seems like the end of the world, it's not. There's victory on the other side if you're in Christ. But I'm allowing you to go through this because 
You need to see. God don't need to see how strong your faith is. God already know. You need to see. You need to see your reaction through suffering because in that it shows how truly obedient you really, really, really are. Amen. You shut down. You start lashing out, cussing folk out. You just give up. You quit. The question is, during those sufferings, what's my response? And so, that was the introduction. Verse 13. Peter said, now, therefore, in the midst of all this, in the midst of your suffering that you're going through, remembering those two, three things. I erased them. They was on that boy last time. Remember those three things. Three things. You've been chosen. You're in God's family. And you are being guarded. While you're in the suffering, Peter says this, verse 13, therefore, with your minds ready for action, be sober minded and set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you for the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient. There it is again in the middle of the suffering. Why do you keep talking about obedience? Come on, man. It's hard. I can't, I can't do this. Obedient. As obedient children, do not be conformed, watch this, to the desires of your former ignorance. But as the one who has called you is holy, you are also, uh, uh, you are to be holy in all your conduct. For it's written, be holy because I am holy. Verse 13 says, with your minds ready for action. King James says, gird up your loins. Um, so if you remember back in the Bible days, I don't want to say men used to wear skirts. They weren't skirts. Somebody help me out. Man, no, man dresses is worse <laughs> for a man dress. It was, um, yeah, kilts is more Scottish. Togas, wait a minute. <laughs> tunics. I like, I'll, I'll go, wait a minute, tunics for your head though, right? Tunics the whole thing? We're going with tunics. Okay. Turban, that's what it is. Good looking out. Tunics. They were tunics. And I was going to actually bring something to put it on, but I was like, we, we're not going to have time today. But what used to happen, oh, you know what? Bam. What used to happen is uh, the guys, I'm not going to worry about detail. Not worry about detail, but okay, so this is the guy. He's got the thing. When it was time to go, this is how they walked around. And it was cool when you're walking and chilling, but it was time to work. It was time to fight. It was time to run. It's really hard to get together and fight in that. And so what they did was they girded up their loins. What they would do is pretend I have a skirt on. I don't know who that is. <laughs> I had a skirt on. Okay. They would take it and they would reach in and pull all the skirt up through this part. Right? Actually through the back. Then they would wrap it around and tie it. And so what it would end up looking like... Uh, this guy, he would have a, yeah, something like that. And then he'd be ready to go. <laughs> we're going to give him a shield, and we're going to give him a sword, okay? And then a helmet, and he's ready to go. And we give him some, there we go. There we go. Because that's what I look like underneath this. I want to be as accurate as possible so you'll get what's not happening. You said I couldn't get into jacket today. Uh, <laughs> I was looking back. This is the same jacket I wore for my Sarah's dedication. And I got in it much easier for my Sarah's dedication. <laughs> I digress. 
you take it and you wrap it up and you tie it up. And now I'm free. Uh-huh. I can move. What happened was, if you tried to fight in this, you lost. If you tried to run in this, you lost. What happened, Peter said, listen, you're going through suffering, action. It's time for you to get ready because what you're about to go through is going to be hard. What you're about to go through is going to be punishing. What you're about to go through is going to be so incredibly terrible that you can't be hindered by those old things you used to have. So listen, church, body of Christ, gird up your loins. Get yourself ready. I think about it on the sports tip. If it's a big game coming up, the teams get together beforehand, they practice. But right before the game, they do a special prep. They either sit down, they watch film. Okay, now see, this is what these people try to do. They try to see what the other team try to do. They go through extraness to try to get ready. That's preparing for the battle. We say, uh, 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 roll up your sleeves. That's kind of a phrase we use. Hey, man, got to roll up your sleeves. Hey, man, got to put your big boy pants on. That kind of stuff that we say when it's time for action. Peter said, listen, in the midst of the suffering, once you understand that you've been chosen, once you understand that you're part of the family, once you understand that God is guarding you, now it's time for you to get ready for action. Running, working, fighting, combat, anticipating. You know something about to happen. Oh, you started, oh, what's that? What's happening over there? Oh, are they really? Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. It's about to go down? Okay. Let's get my sword. Get my sword. You start getting ready. You start anticipating. Peter said, as you're in the suffering, gird up your loins. Prepare yourself for action. There's going to be, and he said, listen to what he said, the loins of your what? Your mind. See, he ain't talking about physical stuff. Because on the physical, you're getting beat. On the physical, you're getting punished. On the physical, you're going through some things that you never thought you'd have to experience physically. Suffering, pain, death, hard times, failure, disappointment. And so the Holy Spirit told Peter, tell them to gird up the loins of their minds. Prepare your minds for action. Prepare your mind for some strenuous activity. You see, suffering ain't for the weak. We can't get through suffering. You see people often uh, 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 going through things, people commit suicide, people giving up. Suffering ain't for the weak. Peter said, in order to understand and to go through suffering, you need to gird up the loins of your mind. One of the problems with modern day Christianity and, and Christianity today is we got too many loose-minded Christians. They're not girded up. They're not prepared for strenuous activity. And so we have people who claim to be followers of Christ. We have people who say they're Christians. But when you look at them, we don't see that, let's go, in their mind. You don't see that anticipation in their mind. You don't see their mind prepared for what they're going through. And so what happened is we see the opposite of girding up. We see neglect. We see Christians today. We see people who claim to be followers of Christ who are careless and lazy. The writer of Hebrews said, had a warning for those folks. Hebrews chapter 6, 11 said, Now we desire each of you to demonstrate the same diligence for the full assurance of your hope unto the end, so that you won't become lazy. 
problem is lazy Christians out there. And sometimes in our life, we get lazy. Our minds are girded up, and so we just like, you know, whatever. I don't, whatever. Soft. The opposite of being ready and aggressive and ready is you're soft. No backbone. Timid. Scared. Paul had answered for that in 1 Corinthians. Chapter 15, verse 58. Let me get there. 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Paul says, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always excelling in the Lord's work, because you know that your labor in the Lord will not be in vain. Get ready. Get mentally ready. And then the other thing is blurry. Their minds are blurry, poorly defined, diluted, perverted. We need to have clear, definite, and pure minds. Paul mentions that in Galatians chapter 1. Verse 6, he says, in Galatians 1, 6, it says, I am amazed that you are so quickly turning away from him who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there's another gospel, but there are some who are troubling you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. See, the problem is we've taken the gospel and we've diluted it with some other stuff. I got what God wants me to do, but I'm going to add some of what I want to do and then what my mama told me and then what I like to do and then what everybody else is doing, and I'm going to mix that up, and here's my Christianity. Mm-mm, good. Oh, I'm a Christian. I love God. Because right, this is the Christianity that I made. This is the gospel I made. It's got some Bible stuff in it, but I have my own special recipe. And Paul said, you're, what, what happened to you? You're distorting the gospel. You haven't girded up the loins of your minds. Paul, Peter goes on and he says, be focused, be alert. That focus there means to have an evenness of mind under stress. Make sure that all your faculties are fully operational. That's what he says. Uh, 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 Therefore, let your minds be ready for action. Be sober minded. That means make sure all your functions in your mind are ready and alert. Don't be dull minded. Be, be ready. Somebody asked me, hey, <laughs> I, have a, I, I know a lot of people from different walks of life, okay? And some of my boys dabble in the herbal, uh, 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 herbal refreshments at times, people that I know, okay? So knowing these people, family members, friends, so on and so forth, who dabble in herbal, some herbal who need the herbal requirements for medication, some just for recreational <laughs> herbal refreshment. And they say, hey, oh, man, why, why, don't you, why don't you hit this, man? Why don't you smoke? Why don't you smoke? I don't really. I don't get into spiritual stuff. I just say, man, because the reason I don't is because I want to make sure that I'm always like this. I seen y'all when y'all on it. Y'all chilling. And if something break out, I'm out. <laughs> I ain't got time, man. Hey, focus, focus. We got to go. We got to gird up. I can't gird up my mind if I'm zoned out. That's kind of what Peter was saying here. Keep your mind sharp. Be ready because in the suffering, it's that opportunity for you to stray away. I, I'm not, you know what? This stuff is too hard. This Christian stuff, this Jesus stuff, I'm just going. But Peter said, no, sharpen your mind. Pause and ponder. Make sure your mind is fully operational. Set the dial. I love what it says here. Uh, uh, um, uh, where is it? Uh, da, 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 da. Set your mind. Oh, yeah. 
Be sober-minded and set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you by the revelation of Jesus Christ. Set your hope. It's like a dial. So if I had a dial of my hope, where's my hope set at? Well, oh, my hope is set on my own accomplishments. As long as I'm doing good, that's what my hope is. That's what my waiting expectation is. Or, or my hope is set in the circumstances that happened to me. So depends on what happened to me, that's my hope. That's my, that's my waiting expectation. That's why I'm putting my... Peter said, turn the dial of your hope to the grace of God. What's God's grace? God's grace is his goodness and his power. Peter said, turn your hope. What are you waiting for? What you expect, expecting? He said, expect that the power of God will come and help you during this time and obey. Why? Because the only other option is to be holy or conforming to the desire of the former ignorance. Don't be ignorant. <laughs> My pops used to tell me. Don't, don't, I like you got some sense. Don't, don't be ignorant. Peter said, as you're going through suffering, remember these things. And lastly, verse 22, since you have purified yourself by your obedience to the truth, there it is again, obedience to the truth, so that, why, Peter? So that you show sincere brotherly love for each other from a pure heart and love one another constantly. Peter said to wrap this whole thing up in the suffering and the reason we have to go through the suffering and the reason you're supposed to be obedient through suffering and the reason you're supposed to gird up the lawn in your minds so you can be alert and be focused and be ready for the things that are about to happen to you is because this whole thing is about love. I'm supposed to show love. And so when Kay started the day off by reading 1 Corinthians chapter 13, I said, look at God. Because that's where we ended. 1 Corinthians 13. Peter said this whole thing is about love. What we need, what is needed in the midst of the suffering in Babylon, that's where uh, uh, Peter wrote this. Babylon, they come to what called Rome. He was in the midst of the lion's mouth. And as he was writing the suffering, he said the world needs love. What kind of love? An intense, sincere love. What is love? What is Bible love? Well, I love him. No, Bible love is different. Bible love on some old, different stuff. You don't want the Bible love. Because 1 Corinthians 13 says the Bible love is patience. That means that I am supposed to be patient to people who are on my level or who ain't on my level. That means that people who act unjustly toward me, I am supposed to return that injustice with patience. <laughs> Emotional calmness in the face of provocation. Amen? What? What? Hey, hey! In the face of provocation, God's love said, I'm emotionally calm. I got to pick this guy. <laughs> That's what God's love is. In the midst of the suffering, when people are provocating you, when they're treating you right, husband, wife, children, mom or dad, don't care who it is. God's love says that I am returning that with patience. The Bible says that love is kind. Now, I like kind because kind is good. I can be kind at times. Now, Bible kind, what Jesus was talking about was to furnish what someone needs. Wait a minute, Peter, I'm suffering right now. Yeah, so while you're suffering, find someone who needs something and give that. <laughs> See, Bible love is some, on some different stuff. Bible love is not just, oh, I love them. I can tolerate them. I'm in the same room. Bible love is different. Bible love says that I'm patient while I'm being provocated. Bible love that says while I'm suffering, while I'm going through hard times, I can gird up my mind so that I can go out and help someone in need. Woo -hoo -hoo! 
The Bible says love is not envious. Love ain't looking out. I want that. Why he got it? Why don't I have that? I should have that. I'm going to go get that. Love is not boastful, not arrogant, not rude, not self-seeking, not irritable, believes in all things, hopes in all things, endures all things. This is what God said. This is what God told the people to do and to understand in the midst of their suffering. And so as you go through, oh, by the way, it worked. It worked. Because as they went through that suffering and time and hard times, Christianity did not die. Even through that persecution, Nero came next. Nero burned the whole city down and blamed the Christians because he wanted the Christians to die. After that, a couple of years later in the 70s, they came and destroyed Jerusalem. They went in the temple, set it on fire. Christianity continued. And here we are, over 2,000 years later, holding in our hands a copy of what Peter sat down and wrote in 62 AD in the middle of that suffering. I'm holding it in my hand. Why? Because it worked. And so we, like Peter, like the saints of that time, we need to gird up the loins of our mind. Remember we've been chosen. Remember we're part of God's family. Remember that God is guarding us. Live holy and live obedient. Father, we love you. We thank you for this time. We thank you, God, for the opportunity to look into your word. We thank you, God, even for the example that you've given us of those people uh, in 60 AD and 70 AD and 80 AD who went through all of that suffering. And the fact, God, that even though some of them and most of them died through its persecution, according to your word, God, and because of your resurrection, we know that they live with you today. And no matter what I go through, God, I pray that you'll help me to remember to gird up my mind and I will be obedient and show love. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.